Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Well, welcome to American Potential. Thanks for joining us. Uh, always trying to bring you great stories from across America about individuals trying to break barriers and There are so many barriers that government puts in front of us. And one of the big ones that we've seen is inflation. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. The rising cost of everyday items still going up. Uh, Some families may choose not to go on vacation. Others may choose not to eat out as much uh, to make up the difference. But others are having to make much more difficult decisions, like not eating so that their child doesn't go hungry. And some are having to refinance their home at a higher interest rate to help pay off their credit cards that they had to use to buy everyday items. These are just two of the stories that Americans for Prosperity South Carolina heard about while holding a Prosperity as Possible event at a local grocery store where they were able to give away 200 gift cards. We have two guests on the podcast today to share some more stories that they heard from the event, along with some solutions to help with these rising costs. Jessica Pollock is the Deputy State Director for South Carolina of Americans for Prosperity. And we also have Kurt Couchman, who's a Senior Policy Fellow with Americans for Prosperity. Jessica and Kurt, thank you both for being with us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Glad to be here. Great. So Jessica, I want to start off with you. Talk about how you came up with the idea to do these 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 prosperity as possible events. Um yeah, so we we really wanted to reach out, you know, to the people that might not be in our echo chamber. So I think, you know, when we do the work that we do, it's hard to remember that not everybody is tuned in um going to meetings, um seeing the connection where you know, I know this is hurting me, but then why the why behind it? So the idea behind the grocery events is really to reach out to that population of people that are hurting, but might not know the why behind it. And we try to be that that kind of thing that connects them to the why um, we, we look for areas um, where they're, you know, economically, people are going to be underserved by their government, by just their jobs. So this was a low to middle income area that we went to. We did zero advertising, zero, and had 200 people turn out within about an hour and 15 minutes. And and it was really 200 families. So, you know, they brought their kids, they brought their, they were calling their grandparents. And we heard so many stories um, that were really, really challenging to listen to, but very Uh, We felt very lucky to be able to highlight some of these struggles that everyday people are facing. Yeah, you talked about some of the stories and that maybe some of them were difficult to hear. What what were some of the stories you heard from people that attended this event? Right. Um, So I I think you you touched on it a little bit in your intro. There was a mom. Her name was Corey. Um, She had three beautiful children. Her husband and her tried to to they they did have a landscape um, company but it had fallen on some hard times and they were having trouble making payroll. 
Because like most small businesses in America, you know, they're run as small LLCs that they're really they don't operate at the level um, that the Biden would like us to think of. So, you know, he he wasn't able to pay his employees. Their credit cards were mounting up. That's what they were using to pay the business's expenses so that they could use the cash to make payroll. So she was telling us that they are going to have to refi their home that I think they had a 2.9% interest rate on. Um, you know, it was a lifelong dream of theirs to be homeowners, like it is for many Americans. And they were looking at a refi situation coming in close to 7.5%, wow. I believe she told me, because of the arrears on their credit card. And and they were going to have to do that, to take out the equity in their home, to pay off their credit cards that were just hammering them every month. And she said, I realize that this is a terrible long-term decision, but it's the decision that we're going to have to make. And and that was like, ugh, I felt yeah. terrible for. Her. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a very difficult thing to hear. And it's something we've always tried to, to get across on this podcast that these are the everyday stories. These are, this is what happens because of bad government decisions, bad government policies, this inflation, There's one clear cause of inflation. That's too much money put into an economy chasing too few goods. Um, Government is the, 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 the federal government is the entity that prints money. So they're the ones that cause inflation and it's these bad policies. And I'm just going to call it out. It was the bad policies of the Biden administration followed on a lot of spending that the Trump administration had already done, but then chasing that with just this incredible amount of money into the economy. Um, and I, I want to get to, to more of these stories, but, but Kurt, I mean, your thoughts on, on that and, you know, some of the decisions that government made that caused this story, this is one story, but how many millions of stories are out there very similar to that story where people have to now adjust their life, their financial future, because government made these bad decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Um, inflation, it's uh, one of the few things we can say are entirely caused by government policies. Um, we didn't have high inflation uh, for the last uh, couple of decades, and then all of a sudden it happened, uh, not by happenstance, after the debt had built up. And then in March 2021, um, the new Biden administration with new Democratic control in both houses of Congress they passed a $1.9 trillion bailout of everybody, basically, governments, uh, individuals, all that sort of thing. And uh, it's right then, as those checks were going out, that uh, inflation started ticking up. And the story you told is exactly the right one. Um, The reason that we get inflation is because the money supply is growing faster than the economy. And however much more rapidly the money supply grows than the economy, that's how much inflation you get. And in fact, the money supply grew by about 41% uh, in early 2021. And so that's the 15, 16% inflation that we've seen so far. That's the housing price appreciation that we've seen so far that is pushing housing uh, out of being able to be affordable by a lot of people. Um, And uh, there's probably more inflation yet to come. Uh, the, the reason that uh, that it happens is Congress spends a lot of money that it doesn't have. It borrows it. And then the Federal Reserve doesn't always buy up that debt. But in this case, they did buy 
an awful lot of that debt. And that's what's called uh, monetizing the debt uh, or fiscal dominance of the money supply. And that means that um, the Fed basically converted Congress, uh, the, the congressionally created debt uh, into money uh, and it just went out of the economy. And of course, the economy wasn't growing fast enough to keep up. There were things that the Biden administration did that actively slowed economic growth. And there are things that a lot of state governments did that actively slowed economic growth. So we could have had less inflation if there had been less money supply uh, growth or or maybe and or um, the economy had been growing faster. So it was both sides of the scissors. Yeah. And, you know, the important thing here is for people to connect uh, those those bad decisions by by elected officials. Uh, to the consequences that we're seeing. And that's what these events are, are meant to do is to kind of showcase that uh, you had uh, Jessica, you had a follow-up, some follow-up events uh, mm-hmm. afterwards and you heard from more people. Did you, I mean, I'm sure you had more stories. would love to hear some more oh my stories so that we can so show people. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I have so many. Um, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like these are people that are, you know, low propensity voters. They're not engaged in the everyday. And they were so happy to have someone say, I hear you. Your perception of what's happening is is your reality because they're being told like that's not the reality. Right. And they were just really open with their personal stories because I feel like that then they thought nobody was listening. Nobody um is is out there concerned about them. So you know we had um even when we were buying the gift cards, a cashier like broke down in tears telling us that her sister was on dialysis and so she had taken on the burden of buying groceries for her sister's children every week because the budget just didn't stretch to allow for the treatment um you know we had um Steve a crane operator he had been making I think he said $21 an hour and and working full time. Well, he's still working full time, but he works for a small business and they're feeling the squeeze with, you know, um, pricing in the supply chain and and it's being passed down to the to the workers. They're now taking a pay cut. They're working the same amount of hours, but he's only able to afford to pay them. I think it was 17 or $18 an hour. Well, that doesn't really work when inflation is at 10% and you're taking a 10% pay cut. You're really being affected, you know, doubly. Um, You know, we had a Vietnam veteran and he broke my heart and he came up and he wanted to give me a giant hug because he just was so sad. He said, I don't think I was going to eat. You know, I didn't know how I was going to eat this week. I um, had to switch jobs and my rent went up in my apartment. And so now I'm living in my car and I'm living in my car for the foreseeable future because the VA housing um, assistance has a 10 to 12 month wait. So, you know, it it was really um, it was just there's I have more. I mean, I have a whole list. Every single person in that line had a real story of how inflation has affected them. And we made sure to let them know, you know, that is because there is terrible policy that is happening. And, you know, we don't have to put up with this. We need to, we need everybody to to make those connections. And this is, you know, especially one area that it's really important for us to be out in the States doing this work where we're connecting people to the why. 
Yeah, it's, it's very important. And it's unfortunate that, you know, the, the, the misery and the struggle continues on these events while, while they do definitely help and they bring uh, some relief to, to folks. And you talked about that. I mean, that, that's real, that's real relief to someone in need uh, for sure. But, you know, the government part of this, the bad decisions that, that continues on. And, uh, you know, people are, people are still struggling and, and hurting out there. Kurt, uh, we talked a little bit about inflation, but what are some of the other factors making the cost of everyday items go up? I mean, you know, we see every day, it seems like the, uh, this current administration decides that they, they want to have another war on, on something else, whether it's, uh, uh, our energy sector, you know, things like that. It takes energy to produce everything. So, that is a contributing factor, you know, to inflation. But but what are some of the factors that are making the cost of these everyday items just go through the roof? Absolutely. So inflation is the new thing. Just the last couple of years, we've seen the price level of everything pretty much rising. But there were a lot of things that were too expensive uh, even before that happened, before the Biden administration. Housing, healthcare, food, energy. I mean, those all could have been uh, more affordable than they were. And affordability, I think, is the, the key word. We want people to uh, have the resources, uh, primarily through the opportunity that's created through work. Um, but there are other ways that people can have the resources uh, to support their lives. Um, but we also want to make sure that uh, the prices of those things are, are reasonable and really reflect um, what it costs to produce them and not be burdened by excessive government burdens. So take housing, for example. Uh, most of this um, is at the housing or at the state and local level in terms of the regulatory side. There's some federal there, um, but there are all these restrictions on exactly what kind of housing you can build. Not everybody wants the same thing, but when you you know go look around at the existing stock of housing, there are certain minimum requirements that have been put into place by by law, and even if you don't want them, you're going to have to pay for them. Um, there are some places where it would make sense, uh, instead of, you know, having duplexes, maybe you have, you know, low rise housing or, or lots of other different options, but, um, there's all these restrictions on, on how you can actually use your land, uh, to provide housing that people can afford and want. Um, at the federal level, of course, uh, because the interest rates have been so low for so long, uh, that's really pushed up the price of housing because people could afford more house. So the prices, uh, went up commensurately. Now that, interest rates uh, have come up again or have gone up again. Um, we've got the combination of high prices and high interest, the, the rental cost of money, essentially. Um, so that combination is really tough. When it comes to food, you mentioned energy. Um, energy is a huge part of agriculture production uh, and storage and distribution. I mean, if, think about all the freezers and the refrigeration that's involved in keeping food fresh from the time that it gets harvested to the time it gets to you. Um, but before that, uh, natural gas is one of the main uh, ingredients used in making uh, fertilizer uh, for, for agricultural products. Uh, and in addition to that, all the, the equipment runs uh, primarily on diesel, not, not exclusively, but um, diesel and gasoline uh, are much higher now than they were when this president took office. So all of these things have gone up and it's just making it harder and harder to afford the basic necessities of life. How about uh, you? You alluded to this a little bit, but maybe tell us a little bit more. Congressional spending. I mean, congressional spending and spending too much money. Obviously, we saw the we saw what happened with with the uh, you know the COVID relief stuff and and all of that. 
But congressional spending, how does that affect inflation? So the inflation uh, is the result of too much money in the economy, and that was driven up in this particular case uh, because of, um, well, supposedly COVID response. And it wasn't money that was financed through taxes, which would be bad enough, but the borrowing is actually worse for the economy, partly because it creates so much uncertainty about how Congress is going to make that right eventually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we want to uh, look at the, the ultimate cause of inflation as being too much spending, too much borrowing. And in fact, so much borrowing that the Fed was worried that there wouldn't be other buyers for federal debt. So it felt like it had to step in and uh, take care of that itself. And that, that way, they, they boosted the money supply at the same time that all of these things were going on that held back economic growth. So that combination of things uh, just really did a number on the economy and uh, allowed inflation to take off. And it's come down um, a good bit recently. It's not entirely clear whether that's going to persist. I think it will because the economy is pretty resilient. And almost as soon as Congress stopped its spending and borrowing binge, inflation started to cool. And now that we've had you know even more time, we've got divided government now, so it's much harder uh, to push things through. Um, the economy is healing. It, it's taking some time for the inflation to work its way out of the system. And it'll take even longer, unfortunately, for people's incomes to catch up to the inflation that's already happened. But the reality is that, you know, even if the rate of inflation uh, has come down or has returned to normal levels, even, um, it's still 15 or 16 percent higher. Or the, the price level is 15 or 16 percent higher than it was before. Um, and that that varies depending on a lot of different categories and even what part of the country you're in. So there's still a lot of people that are hurting and will hurt for a while because of that. Uh, is there is there anything that Congress could do that would have an immediate impact on the economy? Unfortunately, there's not not so much of a silver bullet for inflation. Um, sometimes things need to work their way out of a system. It's like if there's a flood, then there's nothing you can do that just like makes the water go away. You have to kind of wait for it to recede right. slowly. And that's kind of what we're dealing with now. Um, I mean, one of the things that they could do uh, is kind of reduce the uncertainty that people have. There's a lot of uh, dysfunction at the federal level, right? No surprise. And um, that causes a lot of people to be concerned about, you know, the future of the, the federal government's finances and how their lives might be impacted through regulation or having to compete against a subsidized competitor. So if Congress would fix itself, that would kind of reduce the risk premium that people um, are expecting. Uh, there are, of course, other things they could do in the, the longer term. They could fix their budget system so they can get a hold of the, the wasteful spending and reduce that. Um, they could grow the economy by reducing regulations and um, by restructuring the tax code so it's simpler, more predictable, more pro-growth. Um, and the states can contribute in some of the similar ways as well uh, to helping grow the economy. So you use the flood analogy. I know one thing that does help when you have a flood is no more rain. And in this case, uh, if we could stop the rain or stop the spending, uh, you know, that that in and of itself will will help us out in this situation. I mean, essentially, that's what Congress can do, right, is to stop spending as much money and putting as much money into the economy. One hundred percent. I mean, they dropped giant bucketfuls of water onto the economy and surprise, surprise, we got a flood. Now that that has slowed down quite a bit, um, it's manageable, but uh, it's still not ideal. We've got a long ways to go. And uh, even if uh, inflation gets back to normal, that doesn't solve the federal government's long term fiscal problems. And if those aren't solved, then most likely the Fed will be stuck monetizing the debt again. And that could make the inflation that we've seen and the pain that people have felt 
in the last couple of years uh, exponentially worse. So we're trying to avoid that with our uh, our fiscal policy reform agenda. Um, but we need to get Congress to take it seriously and fix itself and, and do the work so that we can prevent even worse things from happening in the long run. Yeah. Well, Jessica, you know, as you're doing these events and uh, you talked about that event and follow any events, I'm sure you've got some more planned and love to hear about that. But um, th- th- this really probably connects you, connects voters to what the problem is, but it also connects you to, to some of the great work that, that you're doing in helping people make this connection, because that's how we solve this is, is to make, you know, is to make change and to understand that people need to contact their elected representatives about these bad decisions. Uh, any thoughts about, about that? And, and are you having success connecting citizens to what's actually happening here? Yeah. I mean, I think we are. Like I said, I think people are always very happy to have an ear, like to have somebody who will listen to the problem. You know, that's a start and then offer some ways. You know, we're we're always very good about providing those follow up. You know, here's who you can contact regarding this. Join us for another event. Try to stay engaged. Um, I think one thing, you, you know, that was not surprising, but People did not want more government programs as an answer to their pain. You know, the people that we talked to, even though they identified themselves as like low propensity voters, like we don't vote, we don't feel like it makes a difference. You know, that that was not I didn't want to hear that. You know, so we want to encourage them in that area um, as well. But, you know, I was encouraged to hear you know, not one of them said, uh, you know, I really wish there was some government program where they'd come give me a bucket load of money. They all said, we want to work. We want our money to mean something. And we want government out of the way so that we can live our lives and be successful. So yeah, we're, we're hosting events, you know, all over the summer, um, into the fall, anywhere we can get out and try to connect people to the why we're doing that work. And it, you know, it's on a, a broad um, number of issues, you know, uh, Kurt touched on healthcare. It's, it's not affordable either. You know, there are other things in that equation. Um, and we want people to know that, you know, it matters who you vote for. It matters after they're in office that you hold them accountable. And there are ways to do that. There are groups you can get involved with um, to help you have more power in numbers. And so that's really what we're doing across the state. And that's what all the state chapters are doing across the nation is trying to be that why trying to be that resource where people know that there's somebody in the fight with them. We're not just coming in and saying like, Hey, here's the problem. We're trying to come in and say, Hey, here's the problem. Here's some solutions or at least some ways we could get people out of the way. Um, You know, join us in that. And and maybe they've never been asked to be joined. Um, You know, I think like I touched on before, if you go, to a, you know, political meeting or, um, you know, something like that. Those are people in an echo chamber, right? They're, they're people who are plugged in. These events really touch people that, that don't have anybody to, to plug in with. Um, and, and hopefully we get some of those people to start plugging in and feeling like, you know, oh, wait a minute, this is America. Um, I can, you know, affect change in my own country. And, and hopefully we start to see something happen. Yeah, well, it's very important to do that and to make that connection. It's a hard connection sometimes to make because you've got politicians on kind of on both sides trying mm-hmm. to blame one another uh, or or blame something else or say it's not government policies, but it is. It's, it's bad decisions 
by our government that leads to 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 the to this inflation and to uh, to difficult times for the citizens. There's no question about it, Kurt. Um, if there's a is there a good place for people to go learn more about solutions that could help the economy? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the Americans for Prosperity dot org website has a lot of information on healthcare. Uh, Personaloption.com uh, has some really good information. And then there's a number of other policy focused organizations like the Mercatus Center, American Enterprise Institute, National Taxpayers Union, Tax Foundation, uh, and a lot of other ones as well um, that are doing very good work uh, to uh, promote a more prosperous, more free, more peaceful society. Um, the challenge, of course, is getting Congress to do something useful uh, with all of those great ideas. And so that's a lot of our budget reform agenda to, to change the incentives facing legislators um, so that they're able to take that good information and uh, and translate it into benefits for the American people. Uh, you had Akash uh, Chogali on your show a couple months ago mm-hmm. talking about a couple of those things, right. comprehensive budget, budget targets that are sustainable and uh, no shutdowns are three big pieces of that, but there's a lot more. Yeah. And that's where listeners come in, right? Because really, ultimately, that's what this is about. People should contact their legislator, their member of Congress, their U.S. Senator, um, their, their state legislators. They should be engaged. If you want these things to change, it's one thing to make the connection. But if citizens don't take that logical next step in understanding, and yes, it's important to vote, uh, but it's also important to contact your elected officials and let them know where you stand, that you're tired of these bad decisions. You want them to make better decisions so that your life improves. Government can really put barriers up in front of people, and uh, that's what this is all about. Uh, Jessica and Kurt, thank you both for for joining us. And uh, Jessica, thanks for you know bringing some of these great stories to us. And I'm sure it was difficult hearing some of those stories, and but but um, you know also probably a lot of fun watching as you were kind of at least having some impact on people's lives so thank you for doing that jessica and and kurt thanks for joining us too thanks for having me it's been fun all right all right you bet so look that's what this is all about these government erected barriers these barriers that government puts in front of us that are creating tough situations for american families for single moms for people just trying to earn a living we heard the story about the mortgage isn't that terrible having to go from, you know, something in the 2%, 2.9% range for a mortgage to going to seven. But that's the choice you have to make because government forced your hand. They made you do that. Uh, these are bad things. So you need to get involved. Go to AmericansForProsperity.org, uh, you know, to learn more about some of the solutions and how to get involved. And I hope that you will hope that you will do that. Thanks for listening to another edition of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.